Hello, and welcome to another episode of Priority Status by J Public Relations. I'm Molly Folsom, a social media account director here at JPR. And for my podcast debut, I'm joined by two phenomenal guests to chat through the definition of a social media community, how those communities extend far beyond digital and into the physical world, and how any brand can get better at using social media to do good in their community and beyond. If you've been on the pulse of the hotel industry community in the last five years, you're likely very familiar with my first guest. Tatiana Swedek is a Philly-based hospitality marketing consultant, brand experience thought leader, and podcaster. For the last four years, she has served as the VP of brand experience for the hotel industry's Cool Kit Conference, the Indie Lodging Congress. Her pioneering work here, planning events and digital activations to bring the hotel industry community together throughout the year in a much needed refreshed fashion, made the hotel industry conference cool again. My second guest is Corey Hackett-Green, who creates content for some of the best travel brands in the world, and also happens to be one of JPR's favorite content creators. He's a Philadelphia-based content connoisseur and community organizer, always using his platform to produce high-quality, informative, and engaging content for individuals, brands, and businesses, while simultaneously enhancing minority representation. As always, thanks for listening. Let's dive on in. All right. Today, we are going to discuss the definition of social media communities and how they, in the modern sense, really extend beyond digital spaces into physical spaces. And then I specifically want to get into the nitty gritty of how brands can get better at harnessing this community. They have it on digital. How can that actually translate to their physical space? And how can they be activating that community to be doing better? So today I have two guests joining me. I have Corey and Tatiana, who are truly the perfect people to be talking about this. For those not familiar Corey is a content creator connoisseur. He is one of the best in the game, working with some of the best brands across the travel industry, creating innovative content that not only engages audience, but really does inform people. And what's fun about Corey's profiles, if you go take a look, he manages outside of his brand-wide content creation to also create content on his personal profiles that really embodies the essence of a community organizer. If you pop into Corey's channel at any time of day, there's going to be some kind of Zoom going on. He's organizing people around him to do philanthropic efforts. And at his heart, his content is taking flight in the communities that he's a part of. So a perfect person to talk today about some of the things that we're looking to address. And I also have Tatiana on the line. Tatiana is a brilliant, badass brand marketing guru, master networker on top of that. And honestly, Tatiana, I would give you heavy credit in making the hotel industry community cool again. For years, our industry in particular always felt a bit stale and maybe pantyhose and pearls would be a a good way to describe it. Tatiana's leadership in the space has brought the hotel industry into a place where it was kind of cool to gather again and share our thoughts and organize as a community together. And that leadership has certainly extended beyond her legacy at Indie Lodging Congress and 
in this year in particular, she's shared a lot of thought leadership in the space during a time where the industry needed it most. So to lay the groundwork for our discussion, I thought it could be important to start with the basic bare bones definition of community. So you look it up on dictionary.com. A community is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. And I think when you think historically pre-internet culture, these types of communities, you know, really were things like your running club or your church group. Maybe you joined a fan club for a celebrity. I know I have a couple colleagues who are ex-Christina Aguilera fangirls, for example. But in the modern world, that community is more often than not found online. And you can really find community for any niche topic you want, however professional or however silly it can be. I'd love to start off by hearing a little bit from everybody about some social media communities that you identify as being a part of. And those can be as serious or silly as you all would like. So whoever would like to go first, I'm curious. Ladies first. Ah, thank you, Corey. There's this strong local Philly creator community here. I reside in Philadelphia and so does Corey. Uh, Hopefully you can agree with me on that one. You know, a lot of us have to kind of stick together here and really respect one another, I would say, mostly just because you see a lot of creators and creatives leave Philadelphia for New York or LA, and then they don't come back. So that's definitely a community that I feel a part of. Also, the independent hospitality scene at large, so hoteliers, restaurateurs, creatives in that space, I definitely vibe with. I think there's just so much talent that is within the city of Philadelphia, but oftentimes we tend to look outside of the city for new opportunities. So when it comes to simply just developing relationships, but then also appreciating each other's creativity, I think that is extremely important and something that I've been able to experience as well as you that has kind of allowed us to celebrate who Philadelphia is without having to take it everywhere and doing things at home because we like being home. And also I would say a lot of mastermind groups, I tend to find myself in communities that are always trying to develop intellectually and spiritually and in every different aspect of life as well, because to me, conscious and subconscious development are very, very key when it comes to developing and creating content. When you guys talk about the content creator community in Philly, it's so interesting to see how this has evolved over the years. Like as an agency partner, you know, sometimes I'll have a client who says, hey, I really want to get involved with the Philadelphia community, the New Orleans community. And it's very easy because these communities are very like formulated. Like I'll go to Corey's channel, for example, and I'll even go look through the people that are commenting on his posts Or similarly for Tatiana, like I can go to Tatiana's LinkedIn and see who's chiming in on her LinkedIn posts and like really have a pretty strong guide to who the key players are. Do you guys feel that over time, these communities that you have grown to be a part of online have kind of blossomed as these channels have introduced more tools for you to stay connected on those mediums? I would definitely say so, because I think one of the things about when you have growth that is developed within your community, you kind of have ties that you want to continue to extend as you progress as an individual or collectively as well. So I think that's one thing that 
we've been able to display. And of course, everybody calls us the, the city of brotherly love. So I think the only way in which we can continue to show that and show the importance of it is to do it ourselves as we continue to expand. So I definitely think that would be of great benefit. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that, Corey. Also, I've found that Various social media platforms, whether it's like Twitter or Instagram, honestly, even Tinder, don't knock it. Love it. I've met a lot of Philly creatives through those platforms that I maybe wouldn't have met in person. And we really connected that way. And then that led to working together or, you know, getting opinions on each other's work and building true friendship and support. Actually, I think looking back, Tatiana, I think we might have first connected over Instagram DM. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then Corey, I know that you worked with my colleagues, but we actually started, we've never met in person, but I talked to you on Instagram DM that turned into working relationship over email. I think that you're totally right. <laughs> I, I love the, the Tinder tie-in, especially <laughs> to that exact point. There's endless ways to connect out there with people with similar interests to you. It's advantageous to us as young professionals or brands to take advantage of that. You guys listed some very serious communities. I have some examples here for, you know, anyone who, who might be doubting the power of community. Like right now, anybody online could find the community for them. I think a good example, even yesterday, the Disney corporate team did like a six hour Twitter stream about all of their new content coming. And if you looked through the Twitter stream, there were endless people commenting with excitement, sharing thoughts. They did a really good job of like corralling their biggest fans into a platform to push out their new messaging. It was really impressive. And then on the flip side, a community that is in complete flames today is the Taylor Swift community. I feel like anytime I go on Twitter, my entire newsfeed seems to be people talking about Evermore and the big Swifties, um, really committing to the brand there. But when I look through those feeds, it's really interesting because there are these people from all over the world talking about things that they're interested in and commonalities and they've never met each other and they're chiming in in these long open discussions and just things that you would have never seen even 10 years ago outside of something like a conference or like a Comic-Con. And I think looking at brands, you know, all of us working with brands in different ways, Tatiana, you advise brands, Corey, you're producing content directly for brands. And over here on the agency side, we have a lot of clients who need help from anything tied to messaging, content creation, general strategy and direction. And people really don't think about community that's not often brought up by clients. It's not often talked about. And it's interesting because when you think about social specifically, the term community is even included in the entry-level job position for a social channel. The average entry-level social person is typically called a community manager. So directly acknowledging, hey, this brand has a community, manage them. What, What can we do to drive them down the booking funnel is typically the conversation. But I think Looking at brands overall, do you all see any brands or organizations over the past few years that you've seen really cultivate a community in a strong way on social? The brands that I see, quote unquote, cultivating community the strongest are doing so offline first, I think. So the actions that they take or, you know, those initiatives 
that are true to them, those actions will inspire and then generate organic content to go across those platforms. And just one brand that I thought of over the past, what, eight, nine months that has done a really, really good job at doing that is Ann Pizza. They really stepped it up over especially the early months of COVID by providing pizzas, free pizzas to healthcare workers. They had a partnership with Citibank called Hero Kitchens, and they made, I think, 100,000 free pies for healthcare workers. And that is your content right there. That's doing good. You get the pictures, you get the video, you curate it in a fun way and edit it in a fun way and throw it out there, not as a pat on the back for doing something good, but like, hey, we're here for the people that are serving our community. Tatiana, I really like that example because it's tangible. It's more than just a brand posting a caption that their thoughts are with the community this week. It's a brand that's activated outside actually done community work and then come back and shared it. And I like what you said. It wasn't a self pat on the back. It really was to promote that community spirit. Corey, do you have any brands that you've seen doing similar types of things in the last few years? I would say globally, two that come to my mind would be Nike and also Beats by Dre. I know Beats by Dre has a phenomenal commercial that's out currently that's specifically focused on a lot of the Black Lives Matter conversation that has been present pretty much since the summertime, but being able to have a commercial that embodies the totality of being a Black American, and I think they did an excellent job just going back and forth between you love me, you love me not, based upon, I guess, the perception of the value of the individual and the usage of their gifts. So I think they did a tremendous job just kind of bringing that conversation to light and continuing to just be active about what that looks like. And then Nike, I think they do a phenomenal job when it comes to who they partner with, that they evaluate character in a very, very great way. And they also stand behind all of their athletes. And I think the one thing about investing in the proper people of influence is that you also now are opening the door to having access to their communities as well. So I think there's you know, a lot of things that can be discussed when you are investing in the right people that have the right character. And of course, there's there's a mutual sense of benefit when it comes to establishing those relationships as well. And I think big corporate brands are going to take a lot of cues from the two brands that you just mentioned in the coming years. I mean, Nike has been working on that community building and you hit a, an important note, you know, community building can be going out and activating, but it's also about like, who the brand is aligning with, right? Like Mm -hmm. what influencers are you hosting? What celebrity is the face on your campaign? And I think Nike does a tremendous job of vetting that really carefully. And I think there've been a couple snafus. The one I can think of top of mind is um, of course, our dear Kendall Jenner Pepsi moment as a stark Mm -hmm. contrast where, you know, you, you watch a campaign come out and you think how many people approved this? Oh my goodness. Mm And I think that between the two notes that you you both shared, the commonalities I'm seeing are activate outside of any kind of just general messaging. And beyond that, be careful about who you're selecting to be part of the brand and who the brand is elevating. On the platforms, 
do you think that there are any tools or types of content that people are putting out that really does make the community feel stronger? Tatiana, you mentioned a couple things from the pizza example of, yes, they were activating out in person, but what were they doing to bring that back online to really sell that sense of community and make sure that it was felt there as well? You know, one thing that Am Pizza does really well, and I don't know who manages their social media, but whoever it is is amazing. It's all about the community engagement. So it's not just about the content that they're creating or the story that they're telling, but it's how you're speaking to your followers or your customers and making them feel heard too. I think that that's a really important thing. I think that's something that we've seen over the past few months kind of push new platforms to come about, such as Clubhouse. And I, I think that not enough brands really take that into consideration. They're, they're too focused on aesthetics or just the overall content and not about having their customers and their followers' voices heard as well. I mean, the amount of brands that will spend however many hours a month focusing on the editing of photos. And to your point, Tatiana, if you go on the Instagram feeds, they're just not replying to their fans. It's a big group of brands. And, you know, maybe even talking a little bit about community management, there's a huge difference between pushing out content and messaging ongoing and then never replying to people. Yeah, I mean, that comes to the black square thing, too, right? Like, if you're just posting a black square up there, just because everyone else is doing so, you're not really addressing the issue at hand. No, totally. Do you all feel that brands have made big strides since June of this year? I think that a lot of brands had to kind of kick it into high gear tied to some of these conversations and that these topics, have you guys seen shifts happening in the last six months? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I would love to say yes, but, and this is just my perception of it, but it's very challenging to fix a ground floor problem with a skybox view. I think one of the biggest issues is without too much hands-on support or actually being able to establish relationships with individuals who are dealing with these particular problems, it is very challenging to create solutions and ongoing solutions. So I've seen a lot of the content kind of die down and, you know, there was this big hoorah, we're with you in June, July, August, and then Everybody gets back to the regular, you know, doing what they were doing. So unfortunately, I haven't necessarily seen the follow through that it seemed as if it was finally coming. But I think that's part of the conversation that we're having today and then understanding who is going to now be the liaison between making sure the follow through actually happens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that pressure should fall on the agencies of the world, the brand leaders of the world, the Tatiana's of the world. You know, I think, Corey, you're doing so much work in your own lane. It's time for other people to take on that labor in different ways. And ultimately, I will say I've seen a couple things that have changed. 
which, you know, I think also tie back to how bleak things were before, you know, the average media outlet news feed, for example, if you go to Vogue's Instagram feed, definitely a different color palette than there was even half a year ago. If you go and look through some of the influencer feeds tied to big brands, I am seeing some changes, but it feels kind of tied back to what Tatiana was giving with our pizza example in the beginning. It feels all a little messaging and photos only. And perhaps we'll give people credit, you know, there is a global pandemic happening. But what we'll really be telling is on the flip side, will this activate outside of digital channels and digital messaging? You know, what will people be doing to make sure that spaces feel more community driven? And I do want to tie in the the travel industry here directly. So Corey, for context, and Tatiana, I'm sure you've heard the word community in every conference that you've led. Every hotel brand for the last five years has drove home the word community. They want their lobby to be a community space. They want people spending time there. They want people organizing and activating there. And beyond that, you know, there's been a lot of alignment with new spiffy lifestyle boutique hotel brands coming into cities and saying, hey, we're we're part of the local community. We are your runway into this community. And, you know, it's such an overused marketing push. And I think Airbnb really like set the hotel industry on its course to chase that term. But right now, are there any travel or hotel brands that you think are actually hitting their marks on this messaging? And I think for the sake of the answer, let's do COVID aside before the pandemic or throughout. Have there been any brands, Tatiana, that you've seen actually chasing this community ethos and activating it in a real way? For sure. There are very few that are doing so. But, you know, like I said, it it comes back to really the core ethos of the brand. One of my favorite independent hotel brands is Eaton, which, yeah, freaking amazing. Catlow's great. So they have a property in DC and then one in Hong Kong. And they've always been focused on social impact. That's just what the brand is built on pretty much. And I think that a lot of hotels use this word community, but they don't invite the community into the hotel. Do they hire local construction firms to even build the hotel? I have no idea. But, you know, when it comes to Eaton, they hold community events. They have a local radio station in the hotel that touches on social justice issues in D.C. and probably Hong Kong. Obviously, I'm not there. But I really think it's also about who you're employing at your hotel, too. Is your barista from that neighborhood, born and raised in that neighborhood? Or is it some hip white chick with a nose ring and a bunch of tattoos who's a transplant to the city that lives five miles away? You know, also hiring local creators is super important. Every conference that I've held in other cities, my photographer is going to be from that city. I'm not bringing a photographer there. One, it saves money. And two, you really get to tell the story of that city through the lens of a local. 
So it really pays off in the end. And I think that the part about staffing comes down to guest experience too, right? Like I would much rather go up to the front desk or a bartender, chat with someone who's a local to ask them their recommendations than someone who's a, perhaps a fresh transplant. And I love Eaton. The work that they've done has been amazing since they've started. I mean, if you look at their Instagram feed, they're not caring about aesthetic. They're engagement stems from the fact that they are community oriented and put that first above everything. It's really impressive. And I think they've taken a lot of strides that a lot of other hotel brands have teetered on the edge of doing, but have chicken out of. Corey, when it comes to content creation, I know that we've gotten to work together on a couple projects, but have you seen any shifts tied to, you know, what Tatiana was talking about? Like, sourcing micro-influencers instead of chasing that 100K, utilizing people who are passionate locals instead of bringing in the classics from New York or LA. I'd love to hear from your perspective if you've seen any shifts there in the last couple months. Absolutely. And I think it gives a more authentic experience. Uh, I know in particular, being able to work with the Rittenhouse locally, I was able to see a different side of Philadelphia. So I think being able to grow up here and understand what the regular everyday life is like, but then being able to experience the luxurious taste of Philadelphia as well gives you that duality of what the city has to offer in its totality. But I think also I want to think about Intercontinental Hotels Group. They're doing a phenomenal job, I believe, just being progressive in regards to standing firm on their word and the relationship that I've personally been able to establish with Mr. Niles Harris, who I was on the phone with for an hour, probably about 30 or so minutes ago, being able to have access to him to have these kind of conversations so that the community ideal is not something that's just talked about, but it's actually implemented and asking, what does it look like from the corporation side? What does it look like from the side of influencers? And I think being able to have those conversations, regardless of location, definitely help include more conversations that need to happen in order to be able to provide more benefits to travelers, but then also to the locals as well. So I think there's a duality in all things pertaining to working within the travel industry. Yeah. And Tatiana, I'm sure you can agree that the travel industry, perhaps at the beginning of the calls, we were talking about how we make friends through Instagram DMs and blow out our networking in that way. I think some of the older members of our industry are kind of just dipping their toes into that stuff. So to give you some context as to who Corey was talking about, he was talking about the general manager of the intercontinental Los Angeles downtown, Niles Harris, who not only will do anything to bring in the downtown LA community, celebrate them, make sure that the hotel is very much a part of any of those efforts. But Niles, similarly, like, is not afraid at any level to invite somebody into his network. And so, Corey, I'm so glad that that relationship has been established. He's amazing. Phenomenal character. Yeah. And I think that dynamic from some of our seniors is stuff we need to see more of, you know, being willing to pick up the phone and be community oriented, not only on the back end of things, but of course, with our guests as well. We've touched on so many things. Like, I feel like at the end of the day, we're hitting the core ethos and thesis here that, A lot of people are saying they're community-oriented, but where's the proof? And a lot of brands have all the tools in the world to be community-oriented, 
but perhaps need a little more concrete direction and some action items to nail it perfectly. What could a brand be doing on these social channels to drive this? I think we've hit on a couple things, you know, basic things like replying to comments and messages would be a good start. Showcasing and hiring real locals, real staff members, bringing that sense of community into the profile. But Corey, I've seen you do some pretty incredible activations on your own channels. And Tatiana, I've seen you year after year bring people together digitally and in person. I would love for you both to share some tips and advice for brands out there of how they can do this authentically. I think for me, one of the biggest things is frequency of high quality, informative and positive content. Because I know just it's called Instagram for a reason. And the first five letters of it are Insta. So how frequently are you creating informative and positive content that will actually be able to influence the conscious and subconscious mind that will produce more positive people and more positive attributes that are established within the community? I think that's very, very important. Also, I would just say exposure, just continuing to show what things look like. Because one thing for me growing up as a child, the more things that I laid my eyes on, the easier it was for me to be able to dream. And I think that definitely changes the way in which people think in regards to making situations appear more attainable than they once were. And then also I would state just the importance of evaluating the character and the background of the influencers that you're working with, because I think that provides an immense value outside of campaign requirements, whether it be pictures and videos and things of that sort. But what do these individuals actually do within their community and how are they able to serve as that bridge to connect both of the community and then also things within the corporate realm so that you have access to opinions, so that you have access to community service initiatives, so that you have access to the education and the knowledge that you need in order to be able to generate more revenue, but to also do good within that community as well. So those would be my few tips. Crushed it. Thank you, Corey. I think brands kind of need to look at their quote unquote followers in a different light. I've actually realized this somewhat recently with a couple of my clients. Not all of your followers are potential customers or clients. You know, they're just not. However, they can be advocates for your brand. And this especially goes for luxury brands, hospitality or not. Can I afford a G-Wagon? No. Will I be able to afford a G-Wagon in two, three years? Probably not. (laughs) You know, do I identify with that brand in a sort of like aspirational way? And am I an advocate for that brand? Yes, absolutely. So trying to speak to your followers as potential customers and really like shoving products and ideas into their brains is just, it's not going to work. It may keep your current customers and your followers, but it becomes very off-putting, especially when it comes to luxury brands. I think giving people a space to feel heard is really important. I actually realized this on my own Instagram over the past like six or seven months, I started creating these brackets for people to vote on on my Instagram stories. So I did like 
best early 2000s rapper or best Missy Elliott song, best Halloween candy. And there were brackets like you would do in uh, NBA or basketball and followers would vote. People got really, really into it. People wanted to like rig the whole game. People were offering me like 20 bucks so that Kid Cudi could win. I'm just like, wow, you guys are really, really into this. Like, I have to keep doing this now for you. Like, you find this fun. And it's because they have a voice. Yes, it's fun, but they feel heard, too. So somehow being more engaging and and really listening to your customers and followers is really going to benefit brands in the long run. I know I personally enjoyed your brackets. They were very fun. And I think simple things like that are so much more interesting than putting out yet another package, yet another offer. And over the last few years, anyone who's tuned into any Instagram best practices kind of workshop has heard Instagram begging us to create content that like feels more fun and engaging and authentic. And I feel like a lot of marketers have really struggled with taking down their hair, let's say, and mm-hmm. feeling less restricted. And it's, it's interesting because Instagram's literally given us not just permission, but has given us the command of, hey, for the love of God, please do stuff that feels more fun and interesting, whether that's a bracket or using polls or having surveys up on your stories or giving call to actions and captions for people to start a conversation in the comments. And you see a lot of brands and marketers still taking a deep breath before they like tackle any of that, which is so bizarre to me because if you look at all of our personal feeds, we all feel pretty comfortable doing that, right? Like we, a big pop culture moment happens that you're a fan of, you post about it, you know, maybe you throw a poll up on your own personal stories, but a lot of those tools are just like not happening on brand social channels. And I think there's a lot of fear about coming across as fun. When I think about the travel industry specifically, and when we talk to our clients about this, I always joke, you know, if somebody came up to the front desk and talk to the front desk member, what kind of experience would you want them to have? Typically words used are like friendly, courteous, engaged. And yet all of those traits would translate very easily to a fun Instagram story about a destination or amenities in the property. And as soon as it hits the Canva sphere, people kind of (laughs) freak out. Um, And so I think combining both of the, the things you were saying, there's such room for growth tied to every aspect of what brands are doing. And I think that sometimes people come and listen to podcasts like this one or try to see a one-off LinkedIn article or case study. And they're like, what is the one thing I can do to fix my community? What is the one thing I can pivot into to, to help? And I think throughout this call, like it's obvious that this needs to extend not just to your messaging, not just to who you're hosting and affiliating with, not just to how you're engaging with people, not just to how you're actually activating in the community and giving back, not just to your hiring processes. This like can be all encompassing. And in order to tackle it, and probably one of the most 
overlooked things is how much time and energy to do this right it would take to have the right team in place. And I think that's probably why we see a lot of brands on social channels who who are missing a lot of these steps. You know, a lot of brands aren't budgeting for that amount of social media employee time. But ongoing, I mean, based on what you guys are saying, this could be a full team job, right? In order to do this right. Absolutely. I think just <laughs> there's a variety of ways in which you can engage people and it takes the right minds put together in order to be able to make that process happen. So I personally believe it's worth the investment and it's where the trajectory of all of us are going. If it's not on the phone, it's hard to get to. Yeah, absolutely. This year of all years for the travel industry, I think we have seen the most philanthropy on channels that we've ever seen. A common content pillar in March and April, right when things were getting really bad, were hotels donating lunchboxes to healthcare workers. There were hotel brands donating mass meals to their employees while they were staying at home or groceries. And Tatiana, tied to your comment earlier, any client I had that posted that stuff, it was one of our top performing posts of all time. Like people loved it. Yeah. And those are such simple steps. I mean, even now and in the season of the holidays, a perfect time for brands to be participating in local philanthropies, giving back. Corey, I wanted you to share some examples from your personal profiles for our listeners I feel like you've been doing some of the most innovative philanthropic work I've seen in a while on your channels and like using your channel as that HQ bulletin board for anyone who would like to participate to come in, see what they can do and lend a helping hand. Can you share a little bit about what you've been doing for your backyard in Philadelphia? Of course. Um, Last year, actually, I collaborated with two of my friends, Kevin Stevenson and Danielle Jeffers. We were all Virginia Tech graduates, and we decided to do a community initiative in our hometown. So last year, we were able to give away over 500 pre-packed book bags and 200 gifts of appreciation to students and teachers in Philadelphia, actually at the rec center in which I grew up. And I'm currently on the advisory board for the rec center as well. During the time of Thanksgiving, we were able to give away over 150 meals between that same community center and also in North Philadelphia. And I'm currently preparing to have an initiative next Saturday, which will be in the D.C. area, which will be consisting of a lot of different things pertaining to families' needs right now, whether that be coats, whether that be masks, whether that be toys for the children, diapers, a variety of things. So I think that's just been the root cause for the persistence in regards to the content creation process, because I know that if I continue to develop my following or the people that I engage with, that they also see the impact that should be had and that we should all strive to work towards when it comes to developing our community and simply just providing a helping hand. Yeah, you're you're definitely leading the charge. And I think that you have a lot of people looking up to you because of the content you're putting out. I would assume too, that as you put out this content, you get people who DM you and comment and raise their hand looking for how they can help. Are you seeing things like that? New, new helping hands come into the fray because of the content you're creating? Absolutely. I think we've seen a lot of different people just asking how to start their own initiatives, but then also people with a desire to serve with us as safely as possible, of course, given the current times and circumstances. But I think if these things aren't shown 
you think that they're not happening. So that's one thing that I extremely love about social media. And I'm not a firm believer about necessarily showing myself as an individual who serves because that's who I am at my heart. But I think it's very important to be able to document the process as to what that looks like, because it is easier to expose people to things when they can see them visually rather than just speaking on them. So, you know, I think there's proof in the videos that this is who I am as an individual. And I think if companies continue to invest in influencers, but also within their content production, showing that they actually have a hand within the community and not just suggesting or putting out words that they are helping the community, that it would be of great benefit to them, the community, and the entirety of the world moving forward. That's about as good as any of us could word it. That's great, Corey. And the one term I'm looking at some of our notes here that I wanted to end with was ROI. I think that the constant concern mm-hmm. from our clients is what's the ROI on this going to be? Whether that's um, you know hosting an influencer, doing a partnership, activating philanthropically, having somebody on hand to answer your messages on Instagram. You know what what is the ROI? What will the return on investment be? So closing thoughts from both of you. Is there an ROI to be had for community good and driving the community you have to participate in conversations and actions beyond just hitting the book now button? Yes, absolutely. I am a strong believer in this, especially when it comes to hotels and you know other commercial real estate realm brands. Hotels can really serve as a hub of progress, and you can use the term progress in in any sense of the word, whatever you want to attribute progress to. And really, depending on the market, there's a lot of space that is not being utilized right now. You know, whether that's due to COVID restrictions or people just don't feel comfortable gathering at a restaurant. You're not going to make money off that space anyways. So why don't you hold a coat drive there? Or why don't you invite your local food bank to do some sort of pop-up or fundraiser in there? It's ultimately up to the lenders and the owners of the commercial real estate realm. But like, and I totally understand that, but doing good will make you money in the long term. It's a good look. People love it on social media. And you're making an impact and new connections in your community. I think if you invest good, you'll always get good on the back end. So I think like Tatiana said, that there are different ways in which the hotels can utilize either their space or the individuals that work within the hotel to be able to do community good. And I think that community will always show out in return in regards to what has been invested in them as well. If they feel like their voices are heard, if they feel as if they're being served and considered, then nine times out of 10, I'm guaranteeing that the hotel will feel that return. That's awesome advice, guys. And I think that that ROI point is only going to continue to grow to be one of the more important ones that brands should be pushing for, don't you think? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In, in with the millennial marketers, we're going to make everyone sweat, but for good reason. And I think that Overall, the shifts I'm hoping in the next couple of years can be really felt thanks to people like us who can join calls and push ideas and make sure that things make it through the green light 
and make sure that we communicate up to some of our seniors about what that community can look like and how the best way to get there would, would be. I wanted to close by making sure that everybody can stay connected to you all. What would be the best way if someone wanted to get in touch or follow some of your work for them to do so? I am on pretty much every social platform except for TikTok at tswedek, T-S-W-E-D-E-E-K. My email is tatiana.swedek at gmail.com. You can send me an email. You can also find me on Tinder, as I mentioned earlier. (laughs) Um, You can always connect there. And my website is tatianaswedek.com. Reach out. Let's chat. And I can be found on every social platform under the name Corey Hackett Green, Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T hyphen green with an E at the end. Um, primarily working on LinkedIn, Instagram, and TikTok. My website is also available, uh, com, And also an email can be sent to me at info at clhgreen.com. Thanks, guys. Tatiana, I really hope someone finds you on Tinder from this. Yeah, I actually haven't checked it in a really long time, so I shouldn't have said that. But (laughs) (laughs) If this podcast recording leads to a Tinder connection, I'll lose it. That'll be incredible. Yeah, you'll come to the wedding, that's for sure. (laughs) You too, Corey. Thank you, thank you. I'll be there. Now, thank you both. It is the busiest time of year, I know, for all of us. We're all juggling more marketing initiatives than you could ever think of. And then on top of that, of course, dealing with the craziness of new mandates and changes in our cities. And I just so appreciate you guys taking the time to come and share your thoughts. You are both such brazen community leaders, not only tied to social media communities, but your actual communities and community activism. And I think that ongoing, we could all use a little bit of learnings from both of you and following you both has certainly helped me take strides in my leadership in this department. And I hope that all of our listeners can have at least one or two nuggets that they take away, whether that's something they can apply to their social teams or something that they can be doing in their own personal time as well. And if anyone needs to reach out to Corey or Tati, you have their details. You're also welcome to reach out to info at JPublic Relations. That is it for this week's episode of Priority Status. Thank you all for joining us.